We're in our Jesus-focused series, and so every single week for the month of January, we're talking about being Jesus-focused, living a life that is Jesus-focused. Jesus is our focus. He's our constant compass. We are always changing, but he is perfect, and he remains unchanged. He never changes. Who he says he is in this word, we can count on that every single time. But what does it actually mean to live a Jesus-focused life? As Christians, as believers, many of us buy into this idea or this belief that to be a Christian means that we're supposed to be the good people of the world. We're supposed to be good people. We're supposed to be good, moral people who make good decisions, right choices, treat people well, all of this goodness. And so we literally reduce our salvation to this game of morality where actually in that game, we can look left and we can look right and we can feel okay with where we're at because we can always find somebody who is not quite as good as we are. Or we can be in the game of never truly feeling good enough. How do we ever actually measure up? On either side of that is a morality game, and that is not what Jesus died for. He didn't die so that we could be good people. He didn't die for morals, for a moral way of living. Jesus came that we would have life and that we would have life more abundantly. And so through this whole message, I want you to ask yourself, am I living an abundant life? The abundant life that Jesus gave his life for me to have, am I living that? Am I seeing that? in my walk of faith. A Jesus-focused life is a life that is loved, that is forgiven, that is restored and redeemed. And there is so much that Jesus came to give you. He made a way for you to be free and for you to live in the rich inheritance of his grace and his love. I want you to say rich inheritance. Rich inheritance. I don't know about you, but I have never received a natural rich inheritance. I never have. But I would imagine that it would be awesome. I mean, I would imagine it would be pretty sweet if we did. Well, listen, every single one of us as believers has received a rich inheritance in our faith, in our walk with God. And what that means is that we actually have access to so much So much life, so much blessing, so much goodness that Jesus has made available to us because of the price that he paid for us. And so let's unpack that a little bit today. Now, there are things in life that you can schedule. You can schedule a date. You can schedule a meeting. You can schedule a show. You can schedule a holiday. There are tons and tons of things that we can schedule and plan for in life. I remember the day that Jason proposed to me. He proposed to me on his birthday. So FYI, guys, if you need to propose to somebody or ever in the future plan to, if you do it on your birthday, she will never know. She'll never, ever expect that you are going to propose on her birthday. It was a great way to be proposed to. Complete surprise. You're not going to forget the day you start a new job. 
Both of my sons actually just, one just started a new job, the other one is just about to start a new job. And that date is marked on the calendar and circled because you do not want to miss the first day of your new job. You don't forget the date of your birthday, your graduation, or that final day of your last cancer treatment. These are days that are planned and prepared and you do not forget them. I remember the date of every single one of the births of my children. Although I couldn't schedule them fully, I did anticipate their arrival. I was prepared and ready for whenever they came and they came and I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget it. And I'm so excited. I don't know if Sean and Carrie are here, but our head usher, Sean, Haley, and Carrie had their baby last week, baby Isaiah. We're so excited to meet him. And that's going to be a day that they will never forget. And so these days are predictable only in that they are planned and they are prepared for. And sometimes these moments live up to our expectations. Sometimes they far exceed our expectations but other times they fall short. But there's a second type of moment in time that we want to talk about this morning, that we want to focus in on this morning, a time that is unplanned, yet its power is only embraced when it is perceived, when it is seen, when it is recognized, when it is embraced. These moments can't be found on a calendar, they're not planned for, and so they're easy to miss. We have to have our eyes open and be ready for when these moments come. And as the famous, the ever so famous, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith said, well actually before I tell you what he said, I, I, I'm curious to know, do you know the theme song for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Do you, do you know it? Do, like, I, I don't know why I know every word of it, but I totally do. And I just feel like we should sing it out together. It'll be a bonding moment. I think we should do it. And I'll give you a little hint. I'll start it out for you. Then you take it away. Otherwise, I'll just get carried away. So it starts in West Philadelphia, born and raised. Come on. And a couple of guys that were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. She said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle and Bella. Very good. Okay, that's enough. All right, we got it. We got it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but every time I preach, I seem to sing or dance. And I don't actually sing or dance. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just living out some deep, deep inner fantasy every time I get up here. Anyways, all right, all right, all that build up for this very powerful, all right, ready for it? Will Smith said, life is not how many breaths you take, but it's the moments that take your breath away. All right, no, not as life-changing as God's word. All right, Moses, Moses sees a burning bush and he slows down to see that it's not being consumed. Now this was a regular thing that would happen in biblical times. A, a bush would erupt up in flames, but the fact that it was not being consumed and the fact that Moses took the time to see it invited him in to one of these very significant, very special moments that the Greek call a kairos moment. Can you say kairos moment? 
a Kairos moment. It was an unplanned moment of realization, life change, transformation, an awakening where something impactful happens. And John Tyson explains it like this. A Kairos moment is a moment where you stop worrying about what is happening in time because something else profoundly significant is happening. Now, don't get swayed by the word profoundly significant to mean spectacular. These defining moments don't often come in the spectacular. They are often packaged in a very ordinary, everyday moment. But you and I are obsessed with time. I don't know how many times a day you check the time. We're always hurried. We're always thinking about the next thing we have to do. And in that place, we miss these opportunities and these moments. Perfect submission. All is at rest. We're supposed to walk out of a place of rest in God where we can recognize and see when God is moving around us. I used to love when somebody had a prophetic word for me. And I can remember in my early 20s being in a service very much like this. And there was a guest speaker that was here. And the guest speaker called me out of the crowd and said, you, you, and pointed to me and said, I have a word from God for you. Oh, yes, this is so awesome. I was so excited. And he said, God is going to catapult you into your destiny. I was like, what? Lord, this is so good. Oh, my goodness. I receive that, God. This is so amazing. And I literally had a visual picture of myself in a catapult. And I was like, boom. And I just shot out. And I, lo- I just loved every second of it, imagining this, this powerful word. And then as I dug into the scriptures, I realized that every time that God brings a word, every time he brings direction, a promise to someone's life, it's years and years and years and years of trials and obstacles and testing that come. A few years ago, somebody asked to meet with me in my office, and they said to me, I have a word for you, and I've, I've got it written down for you. And I was like, okay, okay, I'll, I, I'd love to hear it. What is it? What are you sensing? They said, it's Psalm 1833. He made my feet like the feet of a deer. He set me secure on the heights. And, and she, said, she said, I sense that God wants to bring about greatness in your life through vulnerability. And, and that God wants you to run. He wants you to run full on into all that he has for you. Wow. There's a few more parts to it. Wow, I just received it. I, I took it before the Lord. Lord, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. I almost had that picture of the catapult happening again. He's going to set my feet on the heights, secure my feet on the heights like a deer. Wow, this is incredible. This is incredible. Well, only to realize that the only time that you need God to set you on the heights is when you're in the depths. And sure enough, a season of great, great pain was to follow that season. And that word became an anchor. It was a Kairos moment in my office, but not in the way that I thought that it was going to be. I literally, in that moment, allowed my thoughts to fill with with, with these, these ideas of grandeur. And literally, God wanted to take me to the depths and strip me, strip me of everything that I was holding on to. And then he was going to set my feet on the heights and secure my way, secure my way. But it didn't come from a place of success. It came from a place of deep, deep, deep brokenness. 
A Kairos moment can be one where you decide that you're going to take something out of hiding in your life and bring it into the light of Jesus. And when Moses stopped to see and perceive the burning bush was not being consumed, he received a word, a revelation about who God is. God said to him, I am the I am. He revealed himself as the one true God. And God knew in that moment that Moses was going to need that word because he was going to bring Moses into the fire. There was going to be much coming against Moses and it was going to be difficult and he would need to hold fast to that word. You see, these Kairos moments, they're unplanned, but they're divinely orchestrated by God. Did you know that God foreknew you before the foundations of the world? That he saw you? That he breathed you into existence? That he saw everything that you were supposed to do? That he actually has gone before you and created the good works that you're supposed to walk in? Do you know that he's given you a rich inheritance full of promises that are meant for you in his word to grab hold of and to appropriate for your life that you are supposed to, out of an inheritance that has been given to you, walk in the fullness of abundant life? That's how good our God is. But we can't produce these moments, but daily we can prepare our hearts for them. We don't often get the full revelation in the moment that it comes. We don't often see the full significance of a dream, of a conversation, of a time in prayer, maybe a discussion that takes place in your life group, a verse that you read in the Bible, a moment at the altar, because you cannot plan for these kairos moments in your life, but they're divinely orchestrated by God, and they're happening all around us all the time. And we have the opportunity to embrace them or to walk away. About a year ago, Rhonda and I actually started, we just sensed a whisper and we started a podcast and we actually called it the Awakening Moments Podcast. And even as I was preparing this message and digging into this Kairos moment, I realized, oh my goodness, even in the idea of coming together in this podcast and talking about what it is that we're talking about each and every week, it's a desire for Kairos moments. It's a desire to connect to something that God is doing that we're not seeing in the present place. And every Every single time that we meet together to do a podcast, we literally pray, God, we want to have an awakening moment. We want to talk about something that comes alive in our heart, that brings about transformation and life change. And it's incredible what God does. We're going to dive into God's word now in John 8. And so if you have your Bibles, you could open them up to John, John chapter 8, verse 2 to 11. And in this story, Jesus is actually handing out some Kairos moments. And some choose to receive it and others don't. It says, early in the morning, he came to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law, Moses com now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let he who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent, bent down and wrote on the ground, but when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. 
Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on sin no more. The Pharisees were given an invitation in this moment for a Kairos moment. So to the woman who is caught in the act of adultery is given an invitation. This moment was orchestrated by Jesus, a moment for each of them to experience the transforming work of Jesus in their hearts through repentance. They're both given an invitation to repent. We will never know what Jesus actually wrote in the sand that day. But you and I both know that it takes two people to be caught in the very act of adultery, yet only one is being condemned in this story. Each of the Pharisees walked away one by one, starting with the older ones. They put their stones down, and they walked away. And I wonder, I wonder if they walked away with some recognition that they were not free from sin, therefore they could not actually cast a stone. I wonder if they walked away with, with some recognition of what they had done, maybe some remorse, Maybe some regret. I don't know. But they walked away still unchanged. You see, remorse is not the same thing as repentance. Regret is not the same thing as repentance. The shame or embarrassment that we feel when we get caught in something that we've done is not the same as repentance. In fact, shame and embarrassment actually stand in the way and block the provision that repentance is meant to bring. And I think for a long time, even in church, when we hear this word repent, all of a sudden this heaviness comes on our shoulder, this sense of condemnation. It's not that we think that we're free, we're above sin. It's not that we think that we have no sin, but yet we come under this condemnation comes over us. Maybe even remorse or maybe even regret, that shame and embarrassment actually stand in the way of the provision that repentance is meant to bring our lives. How often do we actually do the same thing as the Pharisees? Maybe in a relationship where, where, where even we've, we're the ones that have been wronged. Maybe there are times where, where we've been the one who has said, I can't believe you did this to me. How could you treat me this way? How could you do this? And we literally pick up stones with our words and our actions. And maybe at some point we decide, ah, oh, it's not worth it. You're not worth it. And we walk away. But our hearts aren't truly changed towards the person. It's not as though we are actually responding to them in the way of love, which is the provision that God has made for us, the provision of life in every single situation that we find ourselves. Listen, I've been there. I've been there. I've literally been in a situation where God has said, I want you to forgive them. I'm like, forgive them? I, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't do anything wrong. You need to ask their forgiveness. I need to ask their forgiveness? They hurt me. 
I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not the one who's wrong in this situation. You need to ask their forgiveness. You need to repent. What? Excuse me, God? I am right. And I literally felt the God of heaven say to me, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? Every single day we have the opportunity to choose life or death. Every single day we have the opportunity to literally partner with the provision that God has made through his word, through Jesus, or choose the things that bring about death to love and joy and peace and rest in our life. Every single day we have that opportunity. You see, Jesus invited both the Pharisee and the woman into freedom through repentance, yet only one seized the gift. Have you ever actually seen repentance as a gift, as a gift to the fullness of the life that Jesus has provided, that a Jesus-focused life has provided for us? I'm walking this deep and very profound transformational revelation about the power and the gift of repentance. And I'm honestly not even sure that I've scratched the surface of the kinds of depth that this can empower and uncover in my life. It literally seems like every day I'm given opportunities to choose between life and death. Which way are you going to walk? Which way are you going to choose? Which companions are you going to choose to bring? What are you going to partner with? Even this morning, I literally woke up out of my bed and the first thing I said to Jason is, oh, I'm so tired this morning. And I literally felt the Lord say, okay, you're tired. Is there provision for you? Yeah, God, you're my provision. You are my strength. Then why don't you say that? Right, okay. So I can be tired all day, and I can think about that, and I can rest in that, or I can literally say, God, you're my strength. Thank you for being my strength today. Thank you for being enough today. Because he is. He's faithful. He's enough. But literally, literally, every day, every moment of every day, We have the choice to partner with life or death, that which is going to bring us life or that which brings about death to the very life that Jesus wants us to have. We pick up stones all the time when we're hurt. We pick up stones of gossip. We pick up stones of anger, self-righteousness, thinking we're better than someone else. I would never do that. I would never say that. There's no life in these things. There's no life in this way. And even if I don't actually pick up a stone and throw it, the truth is that when I let my painful, frustrating circumstance dictate my thoughts, my attitudes, and my action, I receive death to joy and peace. The joy and peace that God wants to give me regardless of the circumstance I find myself in. Repentance is a powerful practice that brings about submission and transformation so that I can walk in the fullness of life despite what happens to me. Listen, this isn't just about positive confession, okay? This isn't just about positive confession. There is literally an alignment of truth that God wants to bring to our heart and our lives. He literally wants to take the parts of our life and the things that we believe and the things that we think that are not producing life, and he wants those to align to the truth of who he says we are. 
And when they align to the truth of who he says we are, we get the inheritance of the fullness of the abundant life that he came to give us. You know those words in the Bible that we love? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Who doesn't want to live that way? We all do. We would all rather have that every single day. Well, guess what? The provision is there for you. The woman caught in adultery walked away free. The Pharisees left in the same bondage that led them to condemn her in the first place. Who are you in the story? Are you holding on so tightly to your reputation, to your image, maybe shame or your morality that you've literally traded those prisons for the life that Jesus wants you to have, the abundant life and the rich inheritance of his grace? Repentance is a gift that brings life and anything, anything that is less than the way of love and the fruit of the spirit, we must repent and lay down for thinking such things, for believing such lies, for saying such things. Because when we do, when we genuinely repent, we receive the way of life. It's not just like, I'm sorry, God. It's literally an exchange that God wants to give you. It's not just like like this, like, oh, I'm such a worm. I'm terrible. I do it wrong every time. No, it's literally an exchange, just like this morning. God literally said to me, would you like to be tired all day today, or would you like to have my strength? It's an exchange. So I said, okay, I'll take the strength. That's way better. It's an exchange that comes. It's not just literally, I'm so sorry. I'm a terrible person. I'm going to think badly about myself. I'm covered in shame. No, repentance is literally, God, I see. And I said out loud, God, forgive me. Forgive me for that being the first thing out of my mouth today. I receive your strength today. That's it. And guess what? Look at me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it were oh, anyway, it, you, can, you can see I'm so pumped. Guys, this is awesome. It is so so awesome. Every single day we're given invitations. Every day, invitations to partner with light or to partner with darkness. And there's another key in this. There's another key in this. It's our confession. It's confessing to one another. It's not just enough that we say it to God. It's not just enough to say, well, yeah, yeah, like God knows my heart. I've confessed it to him. No, we actually have to say it out loud because you know what? When we say it out loud, that deals with our pride. That deals with our pride that wants to keep all of those things about ourselves hidden. No, no, we got to say it out loud. And I actually had that moment this morning because Jason was right there and I was like, God, I'm sorry in my head. Say it out loud. So I said it out loud. I just said it straight out loud. And again, it's not hard, but it is hard in the moment, right? Because you literally are confessing, yeah, no, I I got that wrong. And I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to bring it out into the light. And I'm going to walk in the provision that has been made for my life. The Pharisees were invited into a Kairos moment. And they turned down the invitation. The woman caught in adultery was invited into a Kairos moment. And she left free. And right after this moment, look at what Jesus says in the very next verse, in verse 12. He says, and Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, whoever follows me, whoever lives a Jesus-focused life will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. These are promises. 
These are guarantees. Guarantees sealed by the Holy Spirit for your life that whoever follows Jesus will not walk in darkness and will have the light of life. I want that. I want the fullness of all that that means for my life. Repentance is literally like going to the bank and cashing the inheritance check. Repentance and confession unlock provision for your life. And as we prepare to close, I want to pull a couple more verses out from John 8 that just helped to communicate exactly what it is that Jesus wants to do in our hearts and our lives today. And so we started with verse 11 that said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. Jesus does not condemn you. No condemnation comes from man. It doesn't come from God. Over and over and over again, Jesus says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Jesus says, there is therefore no more condemnation in Christ Jesus. Condemnation does not come from Jesus. And if you feel condemnation, that is not coming from God. So you don't have to receive it. You just say, no, that's not from God. I'm not going to receive that. What do you get instead? Grace. Grace, it's an exchange. It's, it's an exchange you can make right now. Go and sin no more. The gift of repentance, the woman is freed. Her life is forever changed. And the Pharisees leave in their sin. Verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We must appropriate this promise out of a walk of obedience through repentance, confession, and submission to Christ. Verse 31 and 32, if you abide by my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide by my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is huge. This is huge. How are you going to exchange truth for lies? you got to know the truth, and the truth is written in here. Jesus said that I am the truth. He said, I am your way. That means he's your provision. I am the truth, and I am the life. Those are the things that Jesus came to give you. He said, I am your way. I'm your provision. I am the truth. I'm going to tell you what is true, and I am the life because I want to give you the fullness of of life. And there are two, two truths that need to come. Number one is the truth of God's word. That's what we need to align to. In there, you're going to find who God says you are. You're going to find what he's asked you to do, and you're going to find out about what he promises you. And you need to know those because you need to exchange those for any lies that you're believing or any partners that are not from God. The second part of the truth is inside of our hearts. We actually have to come to terms with who we really are and be honest about it. We actually have to lay it before the Lord and one another, confess to one another so that we can be healed. We have to be honest about that. Verse 51 says, whoever keeps my word will never see death. It's a promise. It's a promise. You will have abundant life beyond anything you could ever imagine. And the saddest reality of this story is that this chapter, chapter 8, ends in the exact same place it begins. Verse 59 says, but they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. 
the Pharisees could have received a Kairos moment, a gift of life, yet they walked away unchanged. And they find themselves in the exact same place yet, yet again. They left unchanged. They did the same thing again. How many times do we go around the mountain again and again? And the same circumstance seems to follow us. I'm telling you, there's an exchange that God wants to give you through repentance, through confession, through bringing to light the things that you believe that are not true, that are not from God. Our very first message in this series, Being Jesus Focused, was about the narrow way. And in this season of what God's doing, there is a constraint that is coming. There is a call to walk the narrow way. And some are embracing it. And as they embrace it, they're actually experiencing life like they've never experienced before. But others are picking up stones and others are just walking away. We can't produce Kairos moments in our life, we, but we can prepare for them. We can watch and perceive, and we can position ourselves for when they happen. And I want to invite you today into a fresh walk of repentance, confession, submission, the gift that promises abundant life, the gift that literally is your provision out of those things that are trying to rob you of life. I invite you to ask God right now if there's anything in your life that is not producing peace and joy. You can trade those things in for the truth of what Jesus died to give you, new and abundant life. Ask the Lord right now to search your heart and to bring truth, capital T, truth to any places where you have ungodly partners.